What is up, guys? Welcome to the Wise and Well podcast. I'm your host, Herman Lin. This is the show that helps make fitness and nutrition way simpler and more realistic so that you can improve your physical health without sacrificing your mental health. If you're new to the show and you enjoy it, hit subscribe after the episode so that you know when future episodes come out. Also, if you are looking to take your fitness to the next level, I offer one-on-one strength and nutrition coaching that is designed to help you build muscle, burn fat, and improve your overall relationship with fitness and nutrition. Just go to wiseandwellcoaching.com to learn more. Or just shoot me a DM on Instagram at wiseandwellcoaching. I will always respond to you. All right, guys, on to the episode. Brooks, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. It's It's been a little bit. How are you? It has been a little bit, but I'm excited to have you back on. Um, people loved the last time you were on here. So um, I think I think they took away a ton of great value. Um, I'll put in the show notes just a link to that episode because um, we we really cranked through like a crazy amount of of tips in like an hour um, on how to make fat loss easier. So this time I think we're diving a little bit deeper um, on, a, on a totally different topic that I know that you have put in a lot of work lately to to really help um, some people understand better. So really the, the conversation is going to be around cravings and how do we, you know, just better manage cravings and, and learn how to control them. And I think that it's something that it's such a broad topic that usually when we talk about it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it usually resorts back to just have more willpower, which I think to your point that we were, as we were talking, that's usually a pretty bad strategy. So one, you know, do you want to just kind of give a framework of kind of like the three pillars, you would say control cravings and also, you know, what do you feel like are, are the ones that people need to look at first? Yeah. Yep. No, that's a great point because I see a lot out there about, you know, want it more or try harder. And it's just like, all right, well, uh, this, that obviously doesn't work. So what the way, the way I've thought about it, you know, I do think the psychology side of, of dealing with it mentally is, is helpful, but like what I've said in the past is, you know, if you, if you haven't eaten for for 12 hours and the only thing available is Oreos, no amount of mental jujitsu is going to allow you to not eat those Oreos because you're starving and that's all you have available. So that kind of brings me to like, I think about it in three parts. So the psychology part is last. I, I don't even want to talk about that until we have a good handle on parts one and two, which are maximizing fullness or minimizing hunger through, through a few different things we can talk about. Um, and then number two is setting up your environment for success because that's a huge one too. Uh, our environment is everything. So, uh, like when we talk through that example of the Oreos, if you haven't eaten in, in 12 hours or two days or whatever it may be, uh, the Oreos just being the only food available, that's the environment piece. And you having not eaten anything is the, is the kind of your physiological side, the, the lack of fullness, the lack of, of good nutrients, um, in their place. So I think getting ahead of it and focusing on don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this. It's so much more important to like, oh, eat a ton of this uh, and focus on what you can have instead of like such a hyper focus on something you can't have. That makes a big difference in just your mindset overall. So 
Um, I kind of dragged that out a little bit, but yeah, three parts. I think minimize, minimize hunger, maximize fullness is part one. Part two is set up your environment for success or one and two could be interchangeable there. And three is then, then deal with the cravings if, and when they arise, because they will arise, uh, eventually no one's going to never have a craving again. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that you put that as the last resort and the, and the last step. Cause I think what tends to happen is often we lead with psychology or, or mindset right we always talk about like how to how to improve your mindset around food and you know it's like the conversation usually resorts back to willpower have more discipline you know or you can have like the even like the the worst simplification possible of just eat less move more when you do all these things and to your point it's like there's there's actual strategies to to make this easier and why would you you know why would you spend so much time trying to get better at just being more disciplined and, and, you know, doing like really, really hard things when you could spend some time just making it a little easier instead. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, it's like, yeah, work really work smarter, not harder. Um, of course work hard on the things that actually matter. But I, th- I think a lot of approaches are like so extreme work hard, work hard, work hard that it's like, okay, well, like, if we're spinning our wheels working on something that's going to give us 5% progress uh, and just going to get us down on ourselves when we eventually fail, that's setting yourself up for for failure (laughs) compared to like, let's focus on the 80% um, or the 20% of things that lead to 80% of the progress and just crush those consistently so that you're actually seeing hard work pay off, um, which is is huge. Because those, yeah, I think there's a, a great book I'd recommend, uh, The Science of Self-Control by Menno Henselmans. Um, he's, a, he's a great resource for, for all things fitness, but he, he makes the point that, you know, a lot of the advice out there is like, take the stairs instead of the elevator. And it's like the mental fatigue of having to make that decision over and over and over generally is going to just deplete your, it's going to fatigue you mentally. And then it's like, it's kind of like, okay, do I just take the stairs more now? Like if my Mm. will start to plateau. So I think having good, like streamlined approaches where people can focus on here's what, what you can do instead of like constantly wondering if they could be doing more, um, is, is a good place to be overall. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, a a great kind of example of that too, just from a mental fatigue standpoint, because I think one of the, one of the biggest problems with nutrition or fitness advice out there in general is that typically it's like the advice is like 25 different things, right? Like here's all the ways to optimize it. And it's like, then you look through the list and you're like, I don't, well, okay. (laughs) I don't don't know where to start. So I'm just not going to do anything. Yeah. And you know, like I was, I was actually having this conversation um, with Jade, my fiance yesterday, we were talking about like just the grocery store. Like you ever, you ever walk through the grocery store and by the end of it, you walk out and you're like, why am I exhausted? You know? (laughs) And it's like, and I, and I remember kind of back in the day where I was like really into clean eating, you know, like I was so obsessed with like how many ingredients are in this and is there any toxic ingredients based like based on some influencer online that said it's toxic. And so I would like turn over and read every single label and like look through. And if I saw anything in there that kind of sketched me out, it would freak me out and I'll put it back. And it's funny because I said like, I was so excited to grocery shop. Like I would like always go like buy like the new like probiotic drinks and like all these different things, but I would leave and I would just be like mentally wiped because I had all these like rules that I was trying to juggle in my head of how to, eat healthy and stay healthy where most of it like doesn't matter at all. 
but it's, it's just, it's such a great point that like, if you're trying to do all these things all the time, you're not going to have the energy to actually do any of them really well. Yep. Yeah. That's perfect. Uh, well said. It's yeah. And then, you know, it's and then we get into this mindset of focusing on what we're not doing instead of what we are doing. And that just long term is going to set you up to to kind of crash and burn. Um, mm-hmm. So a big one that that anybody out there can can do is just, you know, if, if perfect is if perfect is, you know, you, you want to be getting 100 grams of protein a day or something or 150, stop focusing on 20 grams short of protein and start focusing on the 20, 30, 40 grams more than you got last week or last month. And that really flips your mindset to start making progress instead of measuring that that gap from where you want to be, because that'll just bury you eventually, um, just mentally. Yeah, completely agreed. All right, let's you want to dive into the the first one, minimizing hunger. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, and real quick before we go over that, I I do um I do like to highlight that like a big part of this is recognizing that it's totally normal to have cravings. We are, we evolutionarily we're, we're, we're hardwired to try to get as many calories as possible with the least amount of work as possible. And with all the tasty foods around that you can order via DoorDash in 10 minutes and have it, we have a, an environment and, and evolution mismatch where it's totally normal for you to crave foods. Mm -hmm. Uh, Research shows like the majority of the population has cravings. And what is crazy to me is that 80 to 85% of craving episodes lead to consuming that craved food or a similar item. So Mm -hmm. it's like that right there shows you a you're normal, you're not a bad person for craving foods. Um, but B, how important is it for us to keep those cravings from ever arising if 80 to 85% is going to lead us to eating that? So that's why these parts one and two are going to really, really focus on setting you up for the most success to not even have to get to that point. So, so yeah. So number one, I real, I, real quick, because yeah. I, I, I want to spend like a second on that because thank you for bringing that up. I think that's such an important point because we... We look at cravings and we talk about cravings as like this bad thing, right? Um, and, and with anything in nutrition, bad things, bad foods, bad habits, like they ultimately all go back to like the person thinking I'm a bad person, right? Because I have these things and like, I, and I, for some reason, I, I can't not crave something and I can't like stay away from the potato chips. But to your point, like th- even the most fit people in the world crave stuff. And give into the craving sometimes when they don't want to, right? And I think what we need to distinguish too is because like sometimes you get into this like siloed space of, you know, either people say you have to be completely disciplined, like get rid of every single snack in your house. Don't ever touch anything. Like you got to just eat clean. And then you got like the opposite side that will say you got to satisfy your cravings right? Like give into your cravings or telling you something. And I think like when you just take a step back and just think about it in the real world, it's kind of like somewhere in the middle of both, right? Like you can't be in this place that like you never have a slice of pizza, right? And you just watch your, your family, every single family night, eat box pizza. You're like, no, 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 but I'm disciplined. I'm the fit one, right? Eventually that's probably going to blow up in your face. Yeah. But on, on the flip side that it's like, you got to give into every single craving is ridiculous because just because we crave something does not mean that we're hungry. Yeah. And the things that we crave often are the things that probably are not going to be the best for your health too. So like, I think it's more just being able to look at cravings objectively, right? Like, and, and what are your goals, right? If you're not trying to lose any weight, any fat, 
and sometimes you crave some chocolate and so you eat some chocolate, it's probably not a big deal. Yeah. Right. But if you are someone who's like, look, I'm trying to lose 30, 40 pounds. And whenever I crave some ice cream and I eat some ice cream, like I can't, like, I just, I eat the, the pint of it. Like, it's just what happens. Right. Yeah. Then I think you have to just look at it and say, okay, cool. This is a craving that I probably don't want. Like it's not helping my goals. What can I do about it? And think about it more objectively from that rather than just being like, what is wrong with me? Why am I craving stuff? A hundred percent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's and that kind of goes into, you know, other areas of fitness journeys in general or life. It's it's creating that that mindfulness and that separation from our our thoughts, which would be a topic for another day, a whole nother rabbit hole, but being able to kind of take yourself take a step back from that um, and recognize it instead of kind of just being sucked in by it is is huge. And reminding yourself it is your choice. Like like you said, it, it, there's a big difference between having a craving when you're just maintaining weight and don't have very aggressive fat loss goals. Or if you are trying to trying to lose fat, just noticing like, you know, and this will, this is actually something, something I include in the psychological part is just reframing that from that's a bad food. I can't have that to yeah, I could, but I'm going to make the decision not to have it because it doesn't really make my goals very easy to obtain right now can be a huge switch because it's not, you know, we want to get away from those morals around food, but uh, we could, we could probably touch on that um, in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I, I also really agree about like the middle ground thing because, oh, I've, I haven't had a slice of pizza in 15 years. And it's kind of ironic to me that like there's camps out there that are super carnivore or whatever it may be, super keto that talk about how disciplined they are. But if we think about like human resilience, shouldn't you be able to have a carb and not crash and burn like you're bragging about your discipline and how hardcore you are but then at the same time it's almost like you're afraid of of carbs or afraid yeah. of certain foods and the ultimate like health is flexibility and the ability mm -hmm. to have those if you want it and not you know fall to the ground and and cry in a in a fetal position because yeah. you had this bad food that you're so disciplined that you never have. So totally, totally. The, I, I saw someone the other day that was like, it's funny that carnivores are kind of like the epitome of like strength and resiliency. And it's like these super macho men, yet they're afraid of lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spot on. It's like, what gives here? For sure. Awesome. Well, yeah. So number one is maximizing fullness or minimizing hunger. Um, so what I, what I, the way I kind of think about it is two kind of main pieces are eating whole foods, you know, nothing new. Um, and, and eating enough protein. So those are going to be like, and I'm sure you have the same experience with your clients. Like if I get a client coming in, that's, that's chronically low in, in protein, that alone is going to completely change their cravings because they just stay so much more full. They get on top of that protein and they eat it pretty, pretty regularly. And it's like, oh my God, I, I don't even have to, you know, that's such a low hanging fruit compared to like we said, that psychological, just, just don't eat it. Just don't eat the Oreo. It's like, no, let's focus on what we can have. So what mm -hmm. we can have is tons of lean meat, tons of fruits, tons of vegetables, you know, dairy, all, all those are great things that if you stay on top of that and focus on eating more of those things, um, it's just gonna, it's gonna fill you up and it's gonna make it a lot, a lot easier. And the good news is even if you do give into that craving, 
you're just going to end up eating less of it because if you if you eat those fruits and veggies, you're going to be so much more full, so you don't need as much. And and the bottom line there, I don't, you know, a, a, a key point on the whole foods piece is that there's nothing magic about, uh, you know, they're they're just you can eat like a pound of of fruits and vegetables compared to like you know an eighth of a pound of of anything more calorie dense. So they're they're really mm-hmm. nutrient dense, lots of nutrients. Lots of fiber, lots of benefits there, but they just have less calories per bite. You get to eat more volume of food, so that's the main reason there uh, that they're they're such a great advantage. So I don't mean to say that that Skittles or or something are poisonous and and gonna like really mess you up, but they're just it's easy to eat a lot of calories. Um, and so if you if you want to stay full. Um, getting most of your food from those whole foods is is key. So those are the two main points that I include there. Nothing crazy, but like consistently doing that is going to completely change how often you're going to crave things and, and really have to say no to anything else. Yeah. The, I mean, those two points is again, it's, it's so simple, but they really are the, like probably the two most effective things to, to help people control hunger better. And I think that point that you made about the you know whole foods versus processed foods in general is so important because and I did a, a deep dive post. I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I think this it's so important because it's so much of what drives kind of nutrition misinformation out there and people will latch on. Like to me, this is where people will latch on to sugar, seed oils, carbs, like whatever it is, right? And those are our problems. Those are the things that are causing obesity. You look at the, the last 30 years, the correlation between obesity and seed oils, like people will say that all the time, right? And like the reality is we just use a lot of that stuff in ultra processed foods. Why? Because we literally have food scientists that work for these large food companies and they chase something called the bliss point. The bliss point is a combination of sugar, fat, and salt that makes this incredibly, unbelievably tasty sensation that you can't get in nature. And it makes you crave those foods more. Why? It's not because they're trying to poison us. It's because they're trying to make more money. <laughs> and if you can eat more of them and you really crave more of them, then you're going to buy more of them. And it's like, it's just that simple. Yeah. And so over time, we've basically just made food more convenient, easier to get, and easier to eat more of because they don't have some of the satiety control signals that that whole foods have like think about eating a giant bag of potato chips versus five baked potatoes right it's it's completely different in terms of how hungry you stay and more importantly like how hungry you are an hour later yeah yeah a hundred percent yeah i i know it's always like they want us fat and unhealthy and it's like no just look at the incentives of the people that are working for those companies to increase their revenue they need to make it tastier and make you want to eat more there's not some round table of people like talking about giving us seed oils to control us. It's just if you look at the incentives of everybody out there, they're aligned with with these objectives. And and yeah, like we've basically it's just like we humanly as a collective have increased the amount of calories within a quarter mile of us or a square mile. Any mm-hmm. within any given distance of us because of our history over time, we just get more calorie dense foods with less work because that was beneficial to us way back in the day when food was scarce. And so anything, and like you said, if you look at the correlation of obesity and anything that has a significant amount of calories, it's going to line up because seed oils have calories, sugar has calories, and they're in higher calorie foods most of the time. So Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, that's a great, great point. And it's like, if you show me someone who includes some sugar, includes some seed oils, whatever it may be, but you take out the, but you control for the the high calorie uh, diet in that person, all those, those bad effects um, are, are typically going to be very hard to detect uh, mm-hmm. if they're, you know, consuming, you know, obviously somebody who's in, in, at a healthy body weight and in eating only McDonald's is going to have some nutrient deficiencies and things like that. But on the most part, if they're including some things in moderation and they're maintaining a healthy body weight, it's going to be really hard to find some, some bad uh, biomarkers on that individual uh, if, if they're including it the right way. Yeah. And two, like two very, cause, cause I think to kind of how we talked about in the past and like, I feel like you and I are very aligned in this thinking that I never want to say any of these things and then people go and leave and go, Oh my God, I should never eat processed foods again. Right. Like, I don't think we, me and you never mean that about anything. Yeah. It's just, it's again, it's being objective. And so I think here's like two very sobering, but real numbers. One, there's been studies that show that when you eat mostly ultra processed foods versus, you know, minimally or whole, whole foods or minimally processed whole foods, the average person eats 500 calories more per day eating the processed foods, 500 calories, like on an average of someone, like the average person probably needs like 22, 2300 calories per day. That's a 20% increase. Yeah, like That is substantial. Yeah. And then when you look at, well, how much does the average American actually eat? 73% of the average American's diet comes from ultra processed foods, 73%. So like right there, it's just, it's staggering. It shows the a gigantic opportunity. And so I would argue it's, you don't have to go paleo, right? You, know, you don't have to go like this, this whole 30 approach or anything like that. We just need to take that 73% processed foods and flip that to like 73% whole foods. Yeah. And then leave the rest of it for all your favorite foods, have the pizzas, have the Ben and Jerry's, have whatever you want. Yeah. But that is going to make a substantial impact on your health overall. Yeah. That's a, that's spot on. And, and one thing I encourage people to do is like, you know, if you're, if you're willing to, um, you know, we can, we can all argue in the comments all day, take, take a target in my fitness pal or something, take a given, just put in like maintain my weight on my fitness pal or any food tracking app. And it's going to give you calorie target and experiment on yourself and take two days and eat 73% processed foods and see how your hunger is, see how your sleep is, see how your energy is, and then take two days and do the same amount of calories with 73 or 75 or 80% whole foods and see how you feel. Like mm-hmm. that is, you know, that's spot on. Like it's, it's so, they're just simply easy to, easy to overeat. They don't keep you full. They don't, they don't give you those vital nutrients. So like, that's a great way to just see the impact of these things we're talking about. Um, and I'd pair with that getting enough protein too. So, so spend two days at the same calories with enough protein and enough whole foods, and then spend two days without enough protein and and more processed foods and just see how you feel. It's going to be pretty damn quick that you recognize the value in what we're talking about. Yeah. And what do you, what would you classify as like ultra processed foods? Just so people kind of understand because I feel like we throw those terms around sometimes without <laughs> ever actually saying what it is. Yeah. So that's, that's a good question. Um, because processed isn't a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like protein powder is processed processing foods can get it farther across the world without it going bad. Things like that. Most things are, are processed in some way. 
Yeah, exactly. So I would almost not, I would almost categorize it by, I mean, the most basic way to look at this is going to be how many ingredients are in it. And and I, I hate the ingredient talk because that can quickly go down the rabbit hole of you can't pronounce this, it's going to poison you. But, you know, if you're generally, you know, fruits, vegetables, lean meats, um, dairy, grains, those are all um considered more whole foods. And then so ultra processed, I think what what the best way to describe that's going to be is anything that has, I almost want to say a combination of fats and carbs um, Mm. in high amounts. And you could get me there by saying like, okay, well, dairy has fats and carbs. But you know, if we if we talk about ingredient numbers, uh, then that kind of negates that. I would almost like think about it as the foods that it's, there's a list of ingredients, but it's the foods that if you look at the ingredients, the actual end result of the food doesn't resemble any of those ingredients. Yeah. Right. Like if you look at an Oreo, like think about it, you're like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like you could look at, um, you know, something like a, a can of chili beans. Right. And like, and like chili beans, like, you know, there's going to be some, tomato sauce in there. There's probably gonna be some seasonings. There might be some like, you know, sodium or something that's going to preserve it a little bit more. So there's going to be like a a list of ingredients, but at the end of the day, it's beans, Yeah. right? Like you understand what it is. So like, to me, that's more of like, okay, it's kind of processed, right? Like, would you ideally have kind of like the actual beans that you soak and then cook yourself yourself? Sure. But like, you're probably fine eating some cans of beans, right? Yeah. Um, But then you look at a Dorito, Right. What is that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so that like, it's like, it's like the, the easiest way, you know, just think about like anything that would like, you would find at like a state fair or like on a, on a combo platter. Right. When you, when you go out, it's these combinations of foods that you wouldn't find like anywhere in nature. And and again, going back, like, it's not like you don't have to eat all natural. You don't have to, it's not that these foods are poisonous or toxic. It's just that those are the ones that are configured to be able to eat in an abnormal amount. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a great point. Like, you know, you think about like packaged oats, like, you know, they're oats, but they maybe they add some sugar or they in small amounts or, or things like that. Like, yeah, technically, maybe a little bit better to eat just straight up oats. But like, you're on the right path if you're using mm-hmm. a packet of oats. Um, it, Like, I'm not too worried about you using a packet versus just straight up oats in a big, big box that you have to cook. Um, so yeah, um, no, I think that's a good distinguish distinguishment like and and just you know you always hear perimeter of the grocery store right meats fruits veggies that's getting you most of the way there for sure for sure um anything else around minimizing hunger yeah i'll go real quick on the other two points i'd have there number one or another point and and these take these are way secondary to to what i said with eating mostly whole foods and eating enough protein i would say meal timing but this is different for everybody. So a big thing I like to do, like the most basic thing you can do here is like, and this is where we come back to self-awareness. If you see that you're always getting hungry and snacking at 3 p.m. at work, let's get a high protein or a whole food snack in one to two hours before that usually happens. And so some of my, you know, some of my clients do great with intermittent fasting. They like to eat more later in the day when they're not as like energized and and they like to save some of those calories. Others do wait. If they try that, I'll, I'll help breaks loose and they they end up Mm -hmm. crushing a whole pizza so this is really important to experiment on yourself and see what works best for you because some people like the you know small frequent regular meals other people they'd way rather be able to eat this is kind of how i am i'd way rather be able to eat 
two or three big meals than eat like four or five, six small meals. Like that's not, that's not me. So pay attention to yourself on that one and experiment. But the most basic way to do it is just, is just, you know, start paying attention to when you're getting hungry and getting off track and insert, you know, whole food snacks, you know, most basic, easiest, throw some Greek yogurt in a couple or an hour before you're usually getting really hungry and snacking on something that's less than ideal. Add two of those, add two of those quick packets or, or some beef jerky or something like that and just see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so that's, that's one. And then the other is like mindful eating or meal hygiene. And this is all the practices kind of around your meals. Um, and this can, this can lead to, you know, more satisfaction per meal if you, if you eat a certain way. So real quick, um, you know, making sure you stay hydrated, fill up on water before the meal that can give that stomach a, a stretch response to actually make you fill up a little bit faster. Uh, a lot of people will say that it dilutes stomach acid, um, if you look at the numbers of the acidity of water versus stomach acid, it'd be pretty hard to like make a meaningful difference in that. Chew each bite, like sit down, turn off the screens, focus on your meal, chew it thoroughly. You know, ideally we're chewing it like 20 to 30 times. Don't count your chews, just pay attention. Try to get it to a an oatmeal-like consistency before you swallow is a great rule of thumb there. Eating your protein and your vegetables first is a great, it also, it, it also decreases the the uh, blood sugar response to a meal. Um, and that's a great way to fill up before you get to, to more calorie dense foods. Go on a short walk after the meal, pause between bites, put your fork down, uh, breathe. Um, so many people are focused on the next bite before they ever even even swallow, chew or swallow the, the one before that. So those are little things that can add up. And those are great things to go to, especially when you don't have a ton of control over the foods you're having. Uh, so those would be the, the the secondary things I count for for maximizing fullness and, and minimizing hunger. I love that. And I think um, along with both those points, I think just being able to reflect on how these things impact you is so important. Like I have going back to your intermittent fasting point and just kind of meals throughout the day. And, you know, like I, the idea of like meal boundaries and when do you eat your meals? Like it's such a tricky topic um, because to your point, it affects people differently. And I have a client who, when we started, you know, he was, he was starting to do some intermittent fasting and, and I've done this in the past, you know, like I, I, I didn't eat breakfast, I think for like two or three years straight. Like it was like, I was, I was bought in. I thought intermittent fasting was going to make me live to 150 years old. And it's, you know, I, there's nothing wrong with intermittent fasting in itself, but I think people need to understand like the, the impact of it and the benefits of it are vastly overblown mm -hmm. from what you see online. Like the biggest benefit of intermittent fasting is that you have less time to eat. Yep. So sometimes it makes people eat less calories. That's it. It just, it's just a method to put you in a calorie deficit, yeah. but there's no difference between it and just being in a calorie deficit. Like if you eat breakfast and you still eat 2,500, 2,400 calories, right. And you need to, you need to eat that to lose weight and you intermittent fast and you need 2,400 calories, like you're going to lose the same amount of weight. And so I think that's important for people to, to look at because you don't, like it can be a useful tool. You don't need to intermittent fast. And so that was the conversation that I had with, with this client. And, you know, as we started kind of reflecting on it over a couple of days, he looked at his logs and he's like, all right, so I have an observation. And I was like, what's that? And he said, the days that I fast in the morning, I eat a crazy amount at night. <laughs> and I was like, okay. He's like, I think I should probably start, stop doing that in the morning. And I was like, that's, that is an amazing observation. Right. <laughs> And so I think that's, that's like a really important piece is to be able to look at it 
Like, how does it affect you? Not just in the morning, because people will say, oh, intermittent fasting is great because I'm not hungry all morning. Like I'm not, I don't get hungry till I eat, right? Is like what people always say. And I used to say that too, but you have to look at it, how it impacts you throughout the whole day yeah. and throughout the whole week. Like if you don't eat all morning, but then later at night, you just turn into like a garbage disposal when you're eating dinner, you know, like you're eating all these, like a bunch of chips before you're, while you're cooking dinner. And then after dinner, like you feel like you got to go back for a second or third plate because you're just so hungry. Right. Then it might not actually be working. Yeah. And so just being like super reflective about all these things and how does it actually impact you is going to be the most important thing for each individual. I love it. Yeah. No, that's spot on. And that's with everything, right? Yeah. I, I personally notice like I might not necessarily eat a huge amount of calories different between if I fasted or if I didn't. But for me, how I feel all day and like energy levels, I just feel better if I have breakfast. Like I, and, and, and even beyond that, like if I have like a shake for breakfast, I don't feel as good all day if I have like eggs and oats or Mm -hmm. something like that. And that's just what I've noticed for me. And, and that doesn't mean I recommend going and doing that. I mean, go, go experiment because, you know, maybe you can keep the calories the same if you fast, but like you just said, your food quality goes down because you get so hungry because if yeah. you're staying ahead of it and you, you aren't as hungry, you know, it makes it a lot easier to make the right choice as far as, or make a better choice, make a, a more whole food choice. Cause you're not just like getting to that panic mode where you're like, so, so damn hungry. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Cause then, you know, it's, like platitude central, but failure just turns into feedback and you're self-reflecting and then you're learning what works and what doesn't work. And most mm-hmm. importantly, what doesn't work every time something doesn't work. All right. Now we have this list of what I shouldn't do and I'm getting closer to what will work. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a big change because, you know, I think a lot of people get going on something and as soon as it fails, they just derail. And if they can reframe that to, oh, now I can try something different. That's what, that's, what's going to be key long-term. For sure. Totally agreed. Awesome. You want to jump into optimizing the environment? Yeah. Okay. So part one was minimize hunger, stay full. Like that's like more physiological, like using that to your advantage. Part two is environment. So we already talked about how, you know, processed high calorie foods are everywhere, uh, very available. And we're wired to get the most amount of calories with the least amount of work. And so environment, you know, you think like compare this to like an alcoholic probably shouldn't go to a bar, that type of a thing. And, and I think this, I think I've heard Lane Norton talk about this. Food is the only thing that a food addict, he compares it to like an alcoholic or a heroin addict. You cannot give up food. You have to always eat it for life. And I thought that was a really interesting thing I've heard him say. Because anyone that's been, you know, quote unquote, addicted to food, which I think, I think to some extent we all are, you can't go cold turkey like you can with drugs or anything like that. You have to, you have to have it in moderation every day because you eat. Um, So anyways, well, environment's huge. It it trumps willpower by far. Um, And there's, you know, even like people, what we've seen in research is that, you know, more willpower doesn't necessarily lead to more success. Uh, having to use that willpower less is what leads to success. And even to the point where there's one study, they took people and had them refrain from, from a craving during a movie. And the ones that were successful ended up eating something else after the movie. So it's like, even if you're successful in that moment, like we still see it, it like we talk mental fatigue, that's that's a really important point. And, and so minimizing the 
decision uh, that you have to make is is just key. So to get into that, um, I think the the biggest thing is just availability. So there's two two sides to this: uh, the availability of less than ideal foods and the availability of ideal foods. So we want to minimize the availability of of high calorie foods junk foods, you know, ultra processed foods like we talked about. And we want to maximize the availability of those whole foods. And this doesn't even have to be like none of this in the house and all of this in the house. It can be as small as there's there's some studies that show like just putting like if if there's something you're prone to, to really eat, like don't have it in a bowl on the kitchen counter, like put it in its box in the back of the cabinet so you don't see it and think about it every single time you walk by it. And on the flip side, you know, what, what we do at, at, at our house is like a ton of fresh berries all the time. Like, so if I get hungry, like you can eat so many strawberries without setting yourself off track uh, and having those available is huge. And then on that point, you know, like ideally, you know, if, if you put it out of sight, more out of mind, but even beyond that, if you can keep it, keep it out of the house, that's great. Like once again, you technically could have the Ben and Jerry's. It's going to make it a lot harder to stay on track towards your goals, depending on what they are. But if you have to go drive and get it, it creates some space that we'll kind of talk about in the last section here that allows you like, that's just, it's more work. Anything that creates mm-hmm. more work or more friction towards getting those, those foods is going to be, be helpful. So that those are the, and, and those berries are a big one for us. Another one like people really like a lot of my clients have liked is is pickles. Pickles are basically zero calorie. And it's just like if you need something, uh, it's a great thing to have around. But, you know, any fruit, any vegetables, just keeping those around and available. You know, if you think about like if you're trying to eat better, focus on eating more of those things, have them available. If they're not there it's going to be really hard not to eat something bad. Like you want those everywhere and you want the other stuff as, as uh, scarce as possible. Yeah. I, I love this point. It's so much of it just goes back to, we want to do as little work as possible, right? Um, you can call it optimization, you can call it efficiency, whatever it is. Like the reality is like, we don't want to waste energy if we don't have to. Um, and that's like, I mean, you can go back to cavemen days, right? Like you're going to, you're going to naturally without even thinking about it, do the math of like, is it worth going over two miles to this bush to get some berries? Cause I'm going to burn more calories than I'm going to get from those, you know, versus climbing this tree to maybe grab some apples up there. Like that's probably going to be way more worth it. Like it's, we're always going to just naturally choose the thing that has the least path of resistance with, unless we're using willpower, right? Unless we're like actually thinking through it. Mm-hmm. And so use that on both ends. Like on one end, to your point, like don't even have it in the house. If you're like, this is my absolute kryptonite food. I don't like, I eat two handfuls of this every single night. Right. Well, that's probably something that like is, if your goal is fat loss, probably shouldn't be there. Then you could also say though, you know, like if someone says, well, you know, I've got kids in the house and like, come on, I'm like, I'm not going to have like no snacks in the house. Right. Like sometimes like I do want to eat something that's like a little bit flavorful. Well, even taking that and putting like, let's say you have like some Cheez-Its or chips or whatever it is, like take that and put it in a cabinet that's above your fridge. That's just a little bit taller Mm -hmm. than what a normal cabinet would be or where the pantry would be. So that if you do get it, you got to get a little bit of like a step ladder, right? Or something that like you got to step on for that just requires a little bit more work. I bet you, you're going to be reaching for that way less often than if it's just sitting on your counter, like guaranteed. And on the flip side of that, you know, if you think about the things that you want to eat more of, right? 
more fruits, more veggies, things that that you probably should be eating in the first place to to just give you more nutrients, right? Well, how do you make that a little bit easier? Is it more likely that you're going to eat a bunch of veggies if you've got like a whole cucumber, a whole bell pepper, and all these things just like sitting in bags in your fridge? Or if they're all cut up in like a Tupperware right in the front of your fridge that you can grab as soon as you open it and you start making dinner, is that more likely that you're going to eat more of it, right? Like it goes both ways. Yep. Yeah, 100%. I love that. Yeah, the I, I love, I feel like it's cliche to always, or maybe cliche is not the right word, but going back to the caveman days, but it makes so much sense, right? And, and another point with that is that uh, evolutionarily, we grow to like the foods we eat regularly. So, um, and that would make sense for, for the cavemen re- too, right? Like if you, if all you have available in your area is this type of food, you better learn to like that food or else you're not going to survive because you won't be eating. So if you go from McDonald's all day, every day, ultra processed, super tasty foods all day, every day, and then all of a sudden you go to only whole foods, uh, they're probably not going to taste very good for you to you at first. The more regularly you eat them, the better they taste to you. And so that's why like a just keeping that in mind like it's not always going to taste this bad if you're completely overhauling things that's another point to or another another reason not to like try to do everything at once um but as you work those in they'll they'll be they'll they'll start to to taste better and better so that's a a good thing to keep in mind and what i kind of pair with this is like we've said it's very doable to include you know your favorite ice cream or whatever in moderation um, and make that trade off. But with this, with this point that we grow to like the foods we eat regularly, I, I include with environment, find substitutions that get you, find a substitution that's 70% of as good as your guilty pleasure. And that's a quarter of the calories Mm. because it's not going to be as good. I'm not going to tell you it's as good, but if it's close enough, you start to see that trade off and it's like, okay, I could have this, but like for a quarter of the calories, I can have this and it's pretty good and it fills me up way more and I stay on track towards my goals. And then, you know, maybe you make that swap once a week and then all of a sudden it's like, man, I'm, you know, I'm starting to eat this more. Like you're, you're always, if you're, if you're always working in Oreos or something like that, you're kind of going to be comparing everything you eat in the day to those Oreos because you remember how good they are. But the more you start to find some substitutions of guilty pleasures that are higher protein, less calories, those will start to taste really, really good to you. You know, I'm sure people have seen the Ninja Creamy out there. I'm a huge fan. I make it most nights and and I, and I get two or 300 calories for like 30 grams of protein for a huge pint of ice cream. No, it's not nearly as good as what I would get at, at Dairy Queen, but mm-hmm. I haven't had Dairy Queen in a while. And all I really have that to compare to, I don't really remember how much better it actually is. So eating that Ninja Creamy every night is basically like eating Dairy Queen to me right now. And so, you know, it's not, it's not necessary, but I think, you know, just go Google, whatever your guilty pleasure is, go Google high protein and fill in the blank uh, because there's options. And if you eat those regularly, you're just going to get accustomed to it and it makes it so much easier. So that's something I didn't, I'd include here too. And, and you just kind of reminded me of that talking about the caveman, just like adapting to what we have regularly. So the more, the more you eat these things, that's, that's that importance of having that 80% whole foods. Cause you'll, you'll really start to like those foods. 
that the tip around replacing your favorite foods or, or guilty pleasures with something that's just a little bit better. Like I, that one, I think just needs to be highlighted even more. Like the, I, I've, I've said that for so long too, people are always like, I need healthy recipes, send me healthy recipes. And I, I, I'm like, you don't need healthy. You don't need more healthy recipes. You can Google every single one of them. They're all out there. <laughs> like every single thing you could possibly think of has a recipe. Just Google it. Like you need to know, like, what do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? Okay. Well, what do you, what do you usually eat when you go out? If you, if you eat out all the time, what do you get? Literally just Google that thing. Right. Yeah. And to your point, like type in high protein or type in macro friendly. Yeah. Which is like the funniest, like encompassing word. Like what is macro friendly? Which, which macros, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I love that. I love people like, Oh, macro friendly. Okay. It's like, we all have different macros, don't we? <laughs> um, yeah. But, but it's like, obviously, like when you do that, it's it's going to be someone who has kind of more of a fitness or nutrition mindset um, as, they're, as they're formulating the recipe. So you know it's probably going to be pretty good. And you can even, like to your point, it, if you eat McDonald's every single day, then, you know, make a burger at home and put on all the same things. Put on the cheese, you know, put on ketchup, mustard, you know, put on some mayo. I don't even care, right? Like it's going to be less still probably. Right. Right. Than what you're getting at, at the fast food restaurant. And then over time, maybe you change that. Maybe you're like, hey, maybe I don't need to put mayo on there. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe I can just do this without the cheese today and and save a little bit. Like maybe I'm just going to do an open face burger today. Like all, there's like a million different options you can do. Yeah. Um, same thing. Like if you want orange chicken, right. Go, go ahead and bread the chicken at home. Yeah. You know, like use some flour. And, and make it. It's probably going to taste great. And then over time, it's like, hey, maybe I'll just do grilled chicken. Yeah. Right. And, and make this orange sauce. And then maybe in the orange sauce, I'm going to use a little bit less maple syrup next time. So that it's not like so crazy sweet, but it doesn't have to be all or nothing. The reality is like whatever you cook at home is likely going to be less calories than the thing you're eating out. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, you mentioning that about the burger at home. I don't know if you're uh, an office fan, but Kevin Malone gives a pitch to Robert California to get a Big Mac and everything <laughs> one ingredient off. And then after you have like six Big Macs, you get a free Big Mac. Um, yeah. But like yeah. Even, even if you had everything the same and you just use 85% lean ground beef instead of like 75%, like mm -hmm. that's going to be progress. So yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, and honestly, like to that point too, is I can't think of a food that there's not a higher protein or a lower calorie option. Like I really can't. There's endless like high protein pizza options. I always tell my 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 clients with kids, like if you're making pancakes on the weekend, there's Kodiak pancakes mm -hmm. that have, you know, your kids aren't going to know the difference and it's going to have more fiber, more whole grains and more protein. Um, you know, chickpea pasta, bonza pasta, they've got a mac and cheese version. Like if you're making that with your kids, swap that out. You're going to be more full. You're going to get more protein, like small things like that. There are so many options and there really is like, I don't, I really can't think of any food that someone might, might want that there isn't a way or a company that is already doing it where there's just something a little bit better out there. That's going to get you, get you closer to your goals. Totally. It's all about the trade-offs. Totally. Yeah, it's that, that, um, the, you know, you think about like quest chips, right? There's like 20 grams of protein in a bag of chips. And like that's kind of like the beauty of processing foods, right? Is that we're able to do some of these things, which we weren't able to do before. And like, I have no idea, you know, if like, I don't think we have anything that shows like is the protein and fiber in some of these foods like as satiating as, you know, steak or potatoes. Like, I don't know. 
I, I don't know the answer to that, but there's probably more satiating than a bag of Doritos. Oh yeah. Right. And so like, to your point, it's, it's all about like, where are you, where are you on your journey? Like what, what is the next step for you? And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Like you don't have to go from being a guy who eats pizza lunch every single day to tomorrow you're, you're doing grilled sirloin and broccoli, right? Like that's probably not realistic and it's also unnecessary. It's just like, what is, what can you do today to get a little bit better? And if you always have that mindset, like eventually you're going to get to a place where you're kind of look at what you were eating two years ago and go, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is crazy how different I am today. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. The, yeah, that, that swap, like there are so many tiny swaps and, and that like, you know, that, that goes back to what we talked about earlier with just your mindset, focusing on your progress and not where you want to be. So don't focus on, you know, and this is extreme or maybe not extreme, but it's just an example. Like if you leave one chip in the bag at the end of the night with that, you usually binge the whole bag, you leave one chip. And then the next night you leave two chips. Like, is someone going to really do it that way? No, but like, or maybe, but that's progress. And like, that's that focus of like, don't focus on trying not to eat the entire bag of chips, focus on eating, leaving five chips left in the bag or eating protein chips. Instead, there's you threw out the quest ones. There's this wild brand and they make them with mm-hmm. bone broth and, uh, egg whites. And I think that, and maybe, maybe some chicken too, but like, they've got like a Buffalo flavor and I've had it like it is still high calorie. Um, but like it has 10 grams of protein per serving, which is a lot better than potato chips. So those, you know, those tiny swaps is progress. And then over time, who cares if it takes you six months to make progress versus six weeks? Because when we talk about the grand scheme of your life, six months is nothing uh, compared to trying to do it in six weeks, getting down on yourself and falling off track for three more years, you know? For sure. hundred percent agree. Um, and then the last one, so psychology, do you want to kind of dive into this one um, as I guess the last resort? Yeah. Yeah. So, and we've kind of touched on a few of these already, but basically like, you know, it's still going to pop up. And, and so the, actually, I just thought of one more thing I'd, I'd throw in with the environment. Yeah. A lot of people come say, okay, cool. Well, I have to go into the office and they have these in the break room. All right. I, uh, we're going out to dinner with friends. Like I, I go to work dinners all the time. Like it's not doable for me to keep all these foods available. And, and, and so what, what I'd recommend there generally is, you know, what can you do and and do what you can, but also go back to part one of minimizing, minimizing hunger and maximizing fullness before you go. Cause if you stay on top of those whole foods and you stay on top of that protein before you go to one of those things, that will go a, a very long way. If you have a super high protein and vegetable meal right before you go to this mm. event where you know there's going to be temptations that's going to get you set up for success um or if it's an office you know keep that greek yogurt in the fridge on hand once again it doesn't have to overhaul the entire thing just have that first things like that yeah but but yeah so for for psychological tools as long as you're maximizing fullness minimizing hunger and you've set up your environment success once they pop up what are you going to do so we already talked about this. Number one is awareness. Uh, recognize that you're craving something. Hopefully from this conversation, you've understood that you're normal. Don't label it. Don't label yourself. It's not a bad feeling. You have to push down. You're not a bad person for having a craving. Just feel it and recognize it. And, and that will kind of create a little gap between you 
and that craving. And then like even even further from that, you can kind of the self-awareness goes a long way to just reflect on like what's going on right now. Like, do you sleep okay last night? Like, are you stressed out? Like, you know, kind of back to the point where we're not really truly biologically hungry a lot of the time. Maybe you can notice that like you're mentally fatigued from a, a long day at work or whatever it is. And you just want a, something tasty, like your brain, your emotional brain wants a reward right now. So that would, that's what I would say first and foremost is become aware of it. Don't label it as good or bad, create that gap between you and the feeling and then reframe it. And we kind of talked about this already, but this is your choice. You're not a bad person either way. If you give in or you don't reframe it from a bad food that you can't have right now to something you want that would taste good, but it would be hard to make work in your goals right now. So you're going to choose not to have it, or maybe you do choose to have it, but remind yourself that it is a choice. Like reframe that as, as something that you are making the, the choice not to have, or to try to minimize how much you have it because you have specific goals right now. And those two things right there are going to go a long way for you when, when these things pop up. And what that leads into is, is an awesome tool called implementation intentions. And basically, this is just a glorified if this, then that. And, and we can take these all the way, all the way down. Like it doesn't have to be if there's a donut in the break room. I'm not going to eat it because that like, is that helpful? Like, you know, what if you do eat it? So we can take it like multiple, multiple levels. So if there are donuts in the break room and I have a craving and I really want one, then, and I would kind of take this back up to to the first step, then I'm going to acknowledge it and not label it and remind myself that it's my choice. And then I'm going to assess if it's worth it, uh, the trade-off. And, you know, sometimes maybe you know, it's realistic. It's not realistic to think you'll never give in. But um, so we could we could have plan A be if the donuts there, then I'm going to notice my craving, then I am going to have the Greek yogurt packet that I brought and packed and put in the fridge instead, you know, that'd be plan A. Plan B is if the donut's there and I have the craving, I'm going to notice it, acknowledge it, feel it. And then I'm going to have that Greek yogurt packet I brought. And then I'm going to have half a donut. And then all the way down to like, if I give in and fall face first into the the donuts, then I'm still going to eat my Greek yogurt. I'm going to take a five minute walk after. So we can take it all the way, like plan for the worst, you know, Um, because a lot of the times we can, we can tend to just say, if it's there, I'm not going to eat it. It's like, all right, well, is that realistic. Let's have a backup plan to that. And I think this pairs really well with the self-awareness because if, if you, if your plans, if your plan A, plan B, plan C didn't work out, then afterwards, what I recommend is assess. So A, pay attention to like what was going on, time of day, how you slept, stress, how you were feeling, all that good stuff. Acknowledge one way you could be 1% better the next time you're in that same situation. And so then that turns these opportunities into into learning experiences, reframes them and and allows you to improve time over time. So the next time the same situation pops up, what can you do to be 1% better? And and with these implementation intentions, like there's, there's so many different ways you can go. Uh, but one thing I recommend is like, try to build something in that's going to create time between the craving arising and potentially eating it later. So, you know, packing a, a high protein option to have before you, before you make that decision. So it's like, I am going to have this Greek yogurt first. That's going to create a lot of time. Maybe go for a, 
a, a walk. Maybe maybe it's having a a crystal light or a or a diet soda. Um, hopefully, people don't come after me for that one. But uh, <laughs> the anything that's going to create time is going to help um, kind of create that awareness and create that gap and and kind of help give you the best shot. I've kind of been rambling here about these implementation intentions, uh, so I'll, I'll stop there. But um, I think they're a great tool both in the moment and then to reflect and plan better for next time. I love that approach primarily because it removes this idea that it's either success or failure, right? Cause it's not. And so I think that's so important is that like, Oh, look, all these tools and all these tactics we gave and all these strategies are, are awesome. At the end of the day, sometimes you're just going to eat the donut. Yeah. Right. So what then? And I think a lot of times, like with anything in nutrition, people will take that and look at it and say, all right, well, I already caved, I already caved right? So screw it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and as soon as that screw it moment happens, then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And that's like the biggest thing is you don't need to be perfect. You just need to avoid the screw it moment mm-hmm. a lot of the times. And so being able to say, okay, well, what else can I do that makes it a little bit better, right? And maybe that's a half a donut sometimes. Maybe that's going for a walk after like, what can you compromise with yourself and negotiate with yourself to still keep in line with your goals, yeah. right? Maybe it's that, hey, I had a donut. I wasn't planning on that. So for lunch, like I'm not going to eat the carb side that I had, yeah. right? Like I'm just going to eat the the chicken and I'm going to eat the side salad and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I probably don't eat it, right? Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be one answer, but I think it's, it's being able to say, okay, there's got to be some flexibility and some wiggle room. And, and I've got to be able to look and say, like, how can I make something better than nothing? Right. Um, so I, I love that approach just primarily because it's, it's, it's just realistic. Like it gives people options and, and a way to, to look at it without looking at themselves as like, I, I failed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Because there's always a little bit better and there's always a little bit worse. Like there always is. Um, It's not it's not pass fail. Uh We recently one more I'd throw in. I I did this with a client recently. He's every Friday they had uh, baked goods or whatever in the in the break room at, at work. And I said, and and we we kind of created Plan A, Plan B, Plan C. And I think Plan A was eat eat Greek yogurt instead. Plan B was eat Greek yogurt and then have half of one. But what we said was put it on a plate and take it back to your office and sit down and focus on it and enjoy it because sometimes maybe it is worth the trade-off. So like building that in first, it's like, okay, you can still stay excited about what you're about to have. Get away from the situation, sit down and enjoy the damn thing. And then once again, this kind of takes us back to that environment. Then it's a lot more work to go back and find it. So, so there's endless ways to, to, to do this, but yeah, it's, it's all about taking failure and implementing a learning opportunity to make it, make a change that the next time. And the, the idea of kind of giving yourself some time to like, I think it's, it's also just important to be able to reflect and not like, don't treat every craving as an individual event and a thing like look for pattern, right? Cause we often get cravings around the same environments, the same times of day or whatever it is, like the same emotions that you're feeling, right? So understand what is that for you? 
And I, you know, like I had Dr. Alan Bacon on here um, last week and we, we kind of talked about like emotional eating. And one of the questions I asked was like, you know, for myself, like, why is it that every time I get stressed, I crave something sweet? Yeah. Like I don't even like sweets. So like, I don't, like I don't normally crave them, but it's like if I have a late night of working or something and I'm just like overthinking, I, I want something sweet. And his, the simplest, cause I'm like going down the route of, oh, is it like my brain is craving glucose because glucose is an energy source. And he's like, it's way simpler than that. You just, you just created a habit. <laughs> you, your, your body is just saying, oh, well, whenever I'm stressed, I eat something sweet. So now I'm going to go eat something sweet. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So being able to recognize that in yourself, right? Like, is it every time you pass this specific vending machine? Mm-hmm. at work, right? That's got like your favorite chip just staring at you in the face. Is it every single night because you're stressed about work or something in the morning, right? Um, what, Whatever it is, like think about like what is causing that pattern and take a long-term approach. Like it's not going to happen. It's not going to be changed overnight. Like one of my, one of my clients, again, the one that, that was fasting in the morning, we looked at his, his total, you know, he's he, at night, he has a habit of eating a bunch of chips after dinner. Like, and he's like, I just, he's like, I don't know. I just want the chips and, and I'm just hungry. And so we're looking in just from his total calories, one, like probably like a little bit on the lower end of where I would want his deficit to be. And then two, the carbs were at a very low place throughout the day. So we said, Hey, let's, let's try adding like some whole grains yeah. to, to your lunch and, and to your dinner and see if that helps you have a little bit more energy and, and, and stave off some of those cravings at night. It might not work. Right. right? Like, we might get to it and say, okay, well, that didn't work. Cool. What else should we try? Right. It's, it doesn't have to be this, um, this one time, like, well, how do I do to fix this? Oh, cool. Got it. It's, it's probably going to take some time and, and some reflecting on yourself, but first doing that reflecting is the important part. Yeah. 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 I, I, I really feel like, you know, you, you see maybe a, a pyramid of importance in, in fitness success. And I see self-awareness as like, the base layer or even like surrounding the entire pyramid, because, you know, you talk to people that have, have lost a significant amount of weight, like talking a hundred pounds. And I, it'd be tough to find one that said that the first thing they tried was what led to the weight loss. They tried a million things and they, but the one thing they did was they, they didn't quit and they tried different things until they found something that worked for them. So that's why it's so, so important to reframe failures into learning opportunities because you're not going to get there on the first try. You know, I think Hormozzi said, if imagine if that, if we applied that to, to, to a baby trying to walk, like, Oh, you know, they failed on the first time they can't walk. I guess they're going to crawl the rest of their life. Right. Yeah. No, it's trial and error and iterating until you, until you find something and, and we're all different. So I think like just that focus on, self-awareness and reflecting and adjusting accordingly goes a long way with, I mean, you know, obviously with nutrition, but anything in life, if you can develop that, you, you create that gap from your emotions and your thoughts about the process. And you can see that, that it's time to switch things up or it's, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it's just an incredible tool to have. So everything's related, but like any type of mindfulness practice you can bring in to help you learn how to kind of create that and, and, and see that is, is going to pay, pay off for the rest of your life. Beautifully said. Anything else on that one? I don't think so. You know, I, yeah, that is, 
I, I would encourage people to look into implementation intentions uh, more. Like I, I, I could probably have explained that a lot better, but um, it's a really cool tool that you can have. And then pairing it with self-awareness and adjusting those intentions for the next time is, is great. Cool. Awesome. Anything else before we wrap up? I don't have anything else. I'm sure I'll think of more later, but that's all I got right now. All right. Well, I think that uh, that was a lot of super valuable information. Um, So hopefully people took away something from this that they could apply to their own life. But always appreciate having you on, Brooks. Do you want to tell people where they can find you um, and your new newsletter too? Yeah, for sure. So uh, most of my my main channel for content is going to be Instagram uh, at the Brooks Coleman. Um, You can find me there or just search Brooks Coleman. Um, but yeah, I, I did launch a newsletter. It's as of right now going out every Saturday, maybe adding more, but, uh, you can find, find tips and tricks on, on anything and everything related to, to health and fitness there, uh, at datafit.net forward slash newsletter. You can also probably find that link in, in like my Instagram bio as well. Awesome. Awesome. If you enjoy uh, the message and just the strategy and the thinking that Brooks has, make sure to give him a follow um, and also heckle him to come back on here as often as he can so that we can do this more often. Uh, But again, super appreciate having you on, man. Yeah. Fun as always. Really enjoyed this. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for having me. Excited for the next one. All right. Bye, everybody.